we do want to just continue, as I said, the, the singing that we've been doing. Glorify God with Thanksgiving is the title tonight. Let's get our definition of Thanksgiving once again. Uh, thanksgiving is an offering of thanks to God for His blessings. God, you've blessed me with, and you fill in the blank with whatever they are, and so I just want to offer you thanks because you've blessed me so much. But it also is an expression of our dependence on Him. So when we give Him thanksgiving, when we praise Him, honor Him, we're saying, Lord, I am so totally dependent on you. I wouldn't have these blessings. I wouldn't have uh, all that you bless me with if it wasn't for you, so I'm totally dependent on you, so that's why I offer you thanks. But it also shows gratitude to him. Lord, I'm just thankful to you for, and we fill in the blank with whatever we believe he's blessed us with, and it shows our dependence on him. So we come to Psalm chapter 69 tonight. As David is writing here, and he says to God, he said, I am in pain and distress. You ever think you could write that first little segment of that verse there? You could probably say, Lord, I am in pain and distress. Maybe tonight, maybe last week, last month, last year, or it may be coming up later on this week or next year some other time. But we may all be able to say or have said, Lord, I am in pain and distress. So he goes on to say to the Lord, may your salvation, O God, protect me. May your salvation, your rescuing, may you be the one to rescue me and protect me as I go through this pain and distress. So in this affliction and the sorrow, the word pain there means affliction. So whatever we're afflicted with or afflicted by, and the sorrow is the pain and the distress, we should ask God to help us and to give us victory over our affliction and sorrow. So when we have this affliction, we have this sorrow, we have this pain, we have this suffering, this distress, do we go to God with it and say, Lord, I am in pain, I am in distress, I am... Uh, in affliction, I'm in sorrow, whatever word you want to use there, do we take it to the Lord and say, here I am. I've got this going on in my life. And Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to help me get through this. I need you to walk with me through this pain and the suffering. I need you to rescue me, give me victory over it, whatever it is. And day by day, I just want you to walk with me because I'm going to be totally dependent on you and I'm going to offer you thanks as a result of going through what I'm going through and you walk it with me. Because sometimes we feel like when we're in that pain and suffering, we step back from God because we feel like maybe God has stepped back from us. And so where are we? All by ourselves going through this pain and this sorrow, all by ourselves. And God says, why don't you depend on me? Why don't you invite me to come and be a part of your pain, part of your sorrow, part of your affliction, part of your distress, and let me walk with you through it? Because see, sometimes we think of God just heal me and I'll be fine. Just get me through this and we'll be okay. But Maybe God says, let me just let the pain and the sorrow and the suffering stay there another day and maybe another day and maybe another day and another week and another month and let me just walk through it with you. Remember Paul in the New Testament said something about there was a thorn in the flesh and he prayed, he pleaded with God, Lord, take it from me. And you know what God did? (laughs) Nothing. He left it on him. Whatever it was, we don't know what the pain, the affliction was. We don't know what the suffering was. But it was something. And he asked God to take it from him. God said, no, I'm not going to do it. He said, because my grace is sufficient for you. You've got everything you need. You've got Jesus living in you. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got me. And so what else do you want? Yeah, you're going to walk through some pain, some sorrow, some distress, whatever it is. But you've got me with you. And so that's the best place we can be. Going through our pain, going through our sorrow, our distress, our affliction, and God being right there with us. But we need to ask Him and be totally dependent on Him, and that's when we give Him the thanks for walking through it with us. Well, in verse 30, he goes on to say, I'll praise God's name 
in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. As I go through this trouble, as I go through this pain, I'm asking God to walk with me through it and give me victory over my pain and my distress. And as a result, Lord, I'm just going to praise Your name in song and glorify You with thanksgiving. Uh, we do that tonight. We did that tonight. We did that this morning. Uh, praising God in uh, song, we, we're, we're doing that every week when we gather up. We praise God for being with us and guiding us and walking through our pain with us. But then we glorify Him with thanksgiving. God, I just give you thanksgiving. Therefore, as I do that, I'm thanking you and I'm glorifying you for what you're doing in my life. And so we're just confident that God's going to help us. When we pray, prayer is just a conversation with God, you know. That we, we talk about prayer maybe in a lot of ways, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But prayer is simply a conversation with God. And He tells us to get into closet. And we don't literally have to do it, but it's a good place to go if you want to be by yourself, away from distractions and phones and people and other things. But he says to get all alone with me. And he says, let's just have a conversation. Because he wants a conversation with us that's not distracted. Have you ever found yourself having a conversation with somebody and you get distracted in it? You know, there you are, you're talking to, you know, whoever. And then here comes this distraction. Maybe another person, maybe a phone call, maybe a text, maybe something on the TV, something on the radio. You know, something gets a, gets your ear and you begin to get distracted or maybe just your thoughts. You know, you stand there, somebody's talking to you. You're hearing them, but your, your thoughts are over here. You're, you're thinking about something about, you're telling me about something that happened in your life today and I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for supper. You know, I, I'm, I'm hearing you, but I'm not listening to you. And so I'm distracted by my own thoughts, my own feelings, my own emotions. And we do that with God too, though, don't we? Because prayer is a conversation. So if somebody's talking, somebody's listening, and then somebody's talking, somebody's listening, it just goes back and forth. Same thing with prayer with God. God says, I want to know what's going on in your life. I want you to tell me what's going on in your life. And we tell him, here's my list, here's my things to do, here's what I'm asking you to do, and, you know, all that we tell him in prayer. But then he says, well, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging me and, and asking me to help you and do for you and do these things you just ask. But now he says, let me speak to you. But too many times we get through telling him what we want, and then we step away. We're through, we're done, and we go on about our day. And God says, wait, what? I hadn't spoken to you yet. You've spoken to me, but I hadn't spoken to you. We hadn't had a conversation. It was one-sided. And so he wants to just speak with us and interact with us and us go back and forth. So when we do that, David was saying we're confident God will help us. And so when we have this conversation with God, are we confident He's going to help us? If we're having that one-on-one -on -one conversation, I speak, then I listen, I speak, then I listen, we should be confident that He's going to help us. But we also should be confident that He's going to protect us from pain and distress. God, I need to have this conversation with you. I need to tell you. You need to tell me. Let's go back and forth. And I'm confident you're going to help me. And I'm confident you're going to protect me in my pain and my distress. As I go through this pain, go through this stress, I am asking you to protect me from even myself. Because sometimes in our pain and stress, can't we get discouraged? I've been hurting so long. I've been going through this so long. And, and we get down, we get upset, we get distraught, we get, you know, all those kind of feelings and emotions. Because we've been going through something a long time, maybe. And we get discouraged, get depressed, get upset, and, and all that. And so we're asking God to protect us, sometimes from our own self. Because we can beat ourselves up real good sometimes. 
But why did I do that? That's so bad. You know, God says, we got, I got to protect you, but you got to ask me to. And so when we do that, when we have the confidence in him helping us, when we ask him to protect us, then we begin to praise God in song and glorify God with thanksgiving. It just breaks out of us, doesn't it? Haven't you found yourself going through some kind of trouble, some kind of pain, some kind of suffering, get all alone with God, prayer, have a conversation with him, you talk to him, he talks to you, and maybe you get into the Word, just read some Psalms, read some things in the Bible that are encouraging, lifting you up, and then don't you leave that space, that spot, that place you were, and just feel encouraged, feel lifted up? Don't you realize that God has just done something in your life that I'm doing a little better right now. I feel more encouraged. I feel more alive. I feel better about these situations that I'm going through because God has blessed me. God has done something in my life. So therefore, I praise God in song, and I just bring Him glory with thanksgiving. Lord, I just glorify You. I thank You for what You're doing in my life because glorify simply means to magnify. Sometimes you see that word in different versions of the Bible. Sometimes we sing a song with the word magnify in it. And so, therefore, what magnify means is to glorify. But it means, in another way, to make greater or more important. Meaning we make God greater in our life than we do sometimes. Sometimes God gets smaller in our life because we get bigger. Or our affliction gets bigger. Or our pain gets bigger. Or or our problem gets bigger. And in the result, we wind up making God smaller because we're not depending on Him. We're not glorifying Him. We're not praising Him. We're not looking to Him to help us in that situation, and we make God smaller. God says, make me bigger. (laughs) You know, look at me as bigger than what you're going through so that I can help you, can have confidence in me helping you, and you can go through what you're going through because I'm going to walk it with you. And we need to make God bigger in our life than we do sometimes because sometimes we just bring Him down, make Him small. Well, God, I don't know. I don't know if you can do much about this. I don't know if you can do much about that. Make Him bigger. Make Him more important in our life than we do sometimes. We'll go on Psalm 69, verse 31. As we do that, as we glorify Him, as we uh, praise God's name with song and glorify Him with thanksgiving, this will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. And so he's simply saying in that day and time when they make sacrifices, they would take a sacrifice at the temple for their sins and they would bring a thank offering to God or a free will offering to God, as they called them, and say, Lord, here's my offering. Here's my ox that I offered to you. Or here's my bull that was sacrificed for you or whatever it might have been. And God says, thank you. But he says, you know what's going to please me more than that? More than that sacrifice? It's when we praise God's name in song and glorify Him in thanksgiving. When we're lifting up the name of Jesus and we're glorifying Him magnifying Him, making Him bigger in our life, and we're offering Him up thanksgiving, He said, that's going to please me more than bringing something to me and say, here it is, God, I'm giving you an offering. He said, I want to hear your praise. I want to see me glorified in your life, become bigger in your life than I have been. And so to, uh, to take off on that a little bit, I want to go to second, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we find Saul is the king of Israel. Okay, and Samuel is the prophet. And in 1 Samuel 15, the Bible says, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people of Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. Samuel said, listen to me, Saul. Here's something from God. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. 
Now go attack the Amalekites and here's what he said. Totally destroy everything that belongs to them. When you go defeat these people, destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women. Don't just kill the men, kill the women too. Put to death the children. Don't just kill the men, don't just kill the women, kill the children too. And not only that, Saul, when you go and defeat them, don't just kill the men, women, or children, but kill the babies too. And kill the cattle, kill all their cattle, kill all their sheep, kill all their camels, and all their donkeys. You got it, Saul? You got it, Samuel? He had heard from the Lord. This is what the Lord told him to do. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them to Telium, 200,000, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek, set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said, the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites, so that I do not destroy you along with them, for you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved out of the way, got out of the way. You know, we don't want to kill y'all, but y'all don't get in the way. We're fixed to kill all them, so move over. So they did. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur to the east of Egypt. And he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with a sword. All right, wait a minute. God said destroy everybody. So Saul, what are you doing taking the king alive? God said don't do that. But even more, Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. God said don't do that. Kill the camels, kill the donkeys, kill all the animals, you know, Don't take anything. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything else that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. They were unwilling to destroy completely. They're simply saying, God, what you told me to do, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do part of what you said, but I'm not going to do all of what you said. See how that works in our life sometimes? God says, now here's four things I want you to do. And we do three of them. God says, what about four? Well, I don't want to do that, God. I told you to do these four things, but but I don't want to do those four. I'll do these three, but I'm not going to do those four. That's when we're becoming disobedient to God, as was Saul. Well, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Mm, I'm grieved that I made Saul king. I wish I hadn't made him king now. He's gone away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried to the Lord all night. God said, I... I shouldn't have made Saul king. I didn't know he was going to disobey me like this, but he hadn't followed out my instructions. He did part of what I told him to do, but he hasn't followed my instructions. Have you ever given instructions to somebody and they got lost, something got lost in the, the shuffle there? You know, you said, now here's, here's what I want you to do. Go down here one mile, take a left, go half a mile, turn right, go three quarters of a mile, turn left again, you'll be there. Okay, I got it. Well, we go down here, and they say left or right. They say go three-quarters of a mile, a half mile. Turn, was it right? You know, following instructions. How good are you at following instructions? Everybody pretty good at it? Follow instructions, somebody? All right, Hunter is. You try to be? Okay. Only two hands went up, mine and Hunter's. So me and Hunter follow instructions real good. Well, sometimes don't do that real well. We'll eat detail. Sometimes we don't do that good with God either, do we? God gives us instructions. we got a whole book of them here. And he said, here's some things I want you to do. Well, I'll do some of that, God. I'll do this over here, but that right there? Mm-mm. This over here? Yeah, okay, I'll do that. 
that. Do we pick and choose? Do we look at God's Word and say, I'll do some of this, but not some of that? Well, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he set up a monument in his own honor and is turning on down to Gilgal. Saul set up a, a monument for his honor. Look what I've done. Went over there and defeated these Amalekites. We killed them all and we brought some goods back and I'm going to build a monument for me, not God. Well, we're getting there. The, this fiction come up here in just a moment. Hold on. Just getting the introduction to it. So when Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord blessed you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. I did what God told me to do. Samuel, glad you're here. You want to pat me on the back or something? You know, what do you want to do? But Samuel said to him, What is this bleating of sheep in my ear? I hear some, wait a minute, Saul. I hear some sheep over there. I shouldn't be hearing sheep, should I, Saul? What is this lowing of cattle that are here? I hear cows out there mooing. I know he says lowing, but we don't say, you hear those lowing cows? <laughs> you know, we say, you hear those mooing cows, you know? I mean, maybe you say lowing, I don't know, I just always heard mooing. Uh, especially if you lived around them, you heard the mood, not low. But uh, so Saul, <laughs> so Saul answered the soldiers. Oh, he's fixing to go to line now. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. The soldiers that you didn't have anything to do with this, Saul. No, not me. It's, I don't know. Some of the soldiers brought them up. Not, here they are. They spared the best. They, the soldiers, now Samuel. They spared the best, the sheep, the cattle to sacrifice. We had a good reason to do it. We wanted to bring them here to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. Samuel, Saul said, the Lord, your God, Samuel. But we totally destroyed the rest. So he's lying to them, deceiving, and he's just putting it off on the soldiers. They spared these sheep and cattle so we could sacrifice, so they could be sacrificed to the Lord, your God. We may have done wrong, but we had a motive behind it. We, we could bring good out of it. Even though we were disobedient to God, I mean, we can make it work. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Just stop. <laughs> you said enough. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Yeah, I want to hear. I want to know what God said about me. He's probably going to pat me on the back too. And Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, at one time, Saul, you were humble. Back before you came a king, you were a humble guy. Yeah, you were big and tall and strong and, and could fight people and win battles, but you were a humble person. Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? You know, as a humble person, didn't you become king? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel out of all the people that could God, He got you. And He sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy these wicked people, the Amalekites, make war on them total, until you've totally wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why didn't you do what God told you to do? You knew what to do. You didn't do it. Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Malachites and brought back Agag their king. But the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. They kept saying, the Lord your God. There's a reason the soldiers brought these animals back so we could do sacrifice to God. And so the last part of it was here. 
But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? You know, does God really get a kick out of you bringing all these sacrifices and animals and sacrificing them to me? Or does He rather you obey His voice? And just do what He tells you to do. Just be obedient to Him. Which does He prefer? And then He answers the question, to obey is better than sacrifice. To be obedient to God is better than sacrifice to Him. And to heed His Word, to listen to His Word, and do what He says is much better than the fat of realms. He said that He would rather us obey Him than to sacrifice to Him. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. It's like witchcraft. He said, rebelling against God when we know what God wants to do and we choose not to do it, he said it's like witchcraft. And arrogance, like the evil of idolatry. I didn't get any sheep and cattle. The the soldiers got them. I went over there and built a monument because, you know, people are going to want to remember me for a long time. And Arrogance, like the evil of idolatry. Do we know the word arrogance? Do we know what that means? What's arrogance? Proud. Proud. Okay. Okay. Proud, any other words? Boastful, stuck on yourself, okay. And you've probably been around people like that. You've probably seen people like that. They're arrogant and you know it real quick. He said arrogance is like the evil of idolatry, putting something else ahead of God. And that's what he had done, and that's what people can do even still today. Because you have rejected the Lord, the word of the Lord, he's rejected you as king. He's You're not going to be king anymore. He's going to go out and find another king to replace you because you want to be arrogant. You want to be rebellious, and you do not want to obey God. We'll get somebody else. And so that comes in there where we were talking about in Psalm 69. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull, with horns and hooves. What will? Praising God in song and glorifying Him with thanksgiving. He said, I'd rather have that than the, the sacrifice of an ox or a bull. And so then in 69.32, the poor will see and be glad. You who seek God... May your hearts live forever and be alive. May your hearts live. He's saying this. When people see us being obedient to God, when people see, see us carrying out God's Word in our life, glorifying God, thanking God, being dependent on God, listening to God, and just carrying out His instructions, when people see that, the poor will see and be glad. They're going to be watching us and saying, I'm glad they're obedient to God. I may not be, and they may not be, but I'm watching you and seeing that you're obeying God. My heart's going to be glad. And that's what he's saying is people are going to be watching us, and they say, well, uh, people around you aren't being obedient, but you are. And they're going to be glad. They're going to see and be glad. So people are always watching all of us here tonight. Everybody here in this room, people are watching us, and they're just noticing you're dependent on God. You listen to God. You do what God wants you to do. You follow Jesus. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you know, and all these sort of things. Or they're saying, mm, I'm not sure they do. And so people are noticing and watching, especially children with parents and youth and, and those in the workplace and schools, wherever we may go, people are simply watching us. So he says, the poor will see me glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise His captive people. God says when we're needy, sometimes people refer to it in a relationship as you're just a needy person. Now in a relationship, if somebody says that, what do they mean? 
I'm not going to say. Requiring a lot of attention. High maintenance, okay. <laughs> Requiring a lot of attention, high maintenance, okay. All those are good phrases. And so we know what that means. And we've seen that in relationships. And we've been experiencing that sometimes in relationships. But God says, when He hears us being needy for Him, it means we're totally dependent on Him. And He wants us to be. That's where He wants us to be all the time. Totally dependent on Him. Not somebody else. Not something else. But on Him. And so when He hears the needy, He does not despise us. Because He realizes we're captive to something going on in our life. Some kind of distress, some kind of sorrow, some kind of pain. We read about earlier there in Psalms. And He says now we're looking to Him to do something, work something, be with us, you know, whatever we need Him to do, and we're captive to something. And so that's where I want to give you victory. That's where I want to be an overcomer in your life. And as you're dependent on me, as a result of what happens out of that, we bring Him praise and we bring Him glory and we bring Him thanksgiving at all times.